History with Coach Hunterlang. Um, this is the introduction to the fourth unit of AP government. And what we are taking a look at in this unit are the institutions of the national government. And to be honest with you, this is probably one of the most important and one of the larger units that we're going to do in, um, in AP Gov. Okay? So we're going to take a look at the different branches of the government. Four. We're going to look at the presidency. We're going to look at the legislature, so that's Congress. We're going to take a look at the federal bureaucracy, and we're going to look at the judicial system. So those, that's the main, those are the four, that's the four focuses of this um, unit. So we're going to look at how they work and how well they work and how they interact with each other. So uh, make sure you guys are, are keeping up with the readings, keeping up with the assignments. Um, but I'm going to give you guys an introduction right now. So again, um, we're going to talk about Congress first, actually. That's going to be the first thing that we're going to um, to talk about. Back when the the framers of the Constitution, when they were writing the Constitution and forming our, our government, Congress was actually considered to be uh, the center of policymaking in America. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at if that still holds true today. So we're going to talk about what exactly the senators and the members of the House do and, and what do their jobs consist of? Because one of the things that has gotten lost in the debate about Congress in the last five to ten years, um, as people have become disillusioned with Congress, is that what they do is actually very, very, very hard work. Um, they work very long hours for a majority of the year. Um, and it's an ex exceptionally difficult and time-consuming job. Um because not only is it about their job and about the legislation, but it's also about elections. It's about re-elections. It's about money they have to raise. It's even when they're on recess, they have to go home and they're meeting with people. They're meeting with constituents. Um, so we're going to talk a lot about, about that. And when we talk about um, congressional ele elections, we'll look at, at um, who wins and why they win. Um, like the question, one of the questions is, why is it that incumbents um, or people who are already holding the public office, why do they have a greater chance of defeating somebody who is um, is challenging them? So that will be kind of what will start our conversation about 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 Congress. So after the after we do that, we're going to look at how Congress is organized and how it functions, um, because the main task of Congress is to create public policy, and so we're going to look at how that policy works and how it actually doesn't work. Um, because this is a, a large body of men and women that have something vastly, that have vastly different opinions about what needs to be done. Very, very, very different ide ideologies. Um, and so we're going to look at how all that plays out and how they get to the point where they actually do create public policy. Um, and so we'll look at the nuances of the congressional process and how eventually, how bills are eventually turned into, into law. Um, and who are the major players in that process? And how um, is it representative of the American people as a whole? And if it really is representative of, 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 of the American people as a, as a whole. 
So that's what will start the first unit is Congress. So what we will move into next is going to be the presidency. Um, because after Congress, that the, the presidency is really the most visible symbol of the American political system. Okay? So when we start to talk about the presidency, we're going to look at what is expected of the president. What should he or she do? What do we, as the American public, what do we expect of them? Because this is a very, very personal office. Americans often vote for one, one political party in local and in state elections and then for, vote for another party in the presidential elections. Um, most Americans feel like they have some personal connection um, or personal interest um, like when they're choosing the candidate that they are voting for, they feel like they're invested in that person. They're invested in who they are. So we're going to look at at the, at the exact powers that the president has and what he does not have. Um, what he, can he or she do? What, what can't they do? And what are they expected to do? Um, because the president is the chief executive officer. Um, they lead Congress in shaping public policy. Um, so we're going to look at the interaction between Congress and the president um, in the present. So how, what it, how it's happening right now. And we'll look at it in the past and see how they have collaborated um, and fought with each other when it comes to, to public um, policy. Um, we'll talk about the challenges of the, of the presidency. Um, because one of the most challenging parts of being the president, one of the most challenging parts of the job is to live up to people's expectations. Um, it is a well-known fact that very few presidents throughout our history have been elected and then increased their approval rating as their time has gone on. Sure, there have been times when the president, when the approval rating has been very, very high, but usually the longer a president stays in power, the less people like him. So... We will look at, at why that why that might be. Um, we're also going to take a look at the president's interaction with the media. So going back to Unit 3, you know that the media plays a huge role in shaping our political process. So we're going to look at how the office of the president tries um, to control and to shape their interaction with the, with the press. So that is the second thing, the office of the presidency that we will focus on in, in Unit 4. Um, so moving on to the third thing is we will look at the federal bureaucracy. So we're going to analyze the federal bureaucracy. Um, well, in analyzing it, what we need to be aware of um, is what German so sociologist Max Weber came up with almost 100 years ago. And he came up with the idea that a well-functioning bureaucracy is the most rational way for a modern society to conduct to conduct its business. So that means the better your bureaucracy works, the better your society will function. So we'll talk a little bit about, about that. Um, but within that, we will look at who is actually part of the bureaucracy and how did they get their jobs and how are they organized. Um, so we'll look at the two main tasks task of the bureaucracy, and that is first, they are the implementers of laws and policies. So that's their first job. And the second job is they are regulators of certain aspects of society. So these are the two main tasks of the federal bureaucracy. And the bureaucracy, it is, it's, it's a large organization. And some people are appointed, 
Some people apply for these jobs. Some people are are lifelong members of the bureaucracy, and some are not. And they, some will stay and go through different administrations, whether they're Republican, whether they're Democrat. They're just lifelong um, members of the bureaucracy. So that is the the third thing that we will take a a look at. So lastly, what we'll look at in this unit is the judicial system. Um, the judicial system in America and. Is, is what you would call almost an adversarial system, which means that the courts provide um, an arena where two parties can bring their conflict in front of an impartial judge, and they can have that conflict decided. Okay? Um, so what we'll look at is how the Founding Fathers, what their vision was for the judicial system, and how it has evolved over time and what it is like today. And I think you'll find that interesting. We'll also look at the politics of the ju- judicial system, which is a huge part um, of, the, of this segment of the unit. Because we'll look at who was appointed to certain courts and why they're appointed to certain courts and how that whole process works. Because some are just appointed, some have to go through approval process. Um, and as an extension of that, we'll look at the court's role as policymakers. Whether it is the Supreme Court or the lower co- courts, um, they have come to play an increasingly important role in shaping political policy today. Um, and although that is really not specifically what they were designed to do, when we go back and we look at the Founding Fathers and what they intended the courts to do, they have started to do this more and more. Um and so as you can see um, in, in the press from time to time, the Supreme Court and, and the lower court's decisions about really contentious issues um, often have held really great, um, really large ramifications when it comes to um, public policy. Okay, so that is the gist of this unit. So those four things. So this again is the... One of the more important and the largest units of, of this, um, of APGov. So you guys, just jump right into it. Make sure you're keeping up with the readings. Ask me questions if you need to. Um, and I know that you will, just like the other other units, y'all. I mean, even if you just listen to those four things that I talk about, and if you keep up with the news, you know that this is what's happening. Um, so so we'll try to make some connections to, to what is happening in the, in the modern day. All right, so I hope you guys enjoy it. Thanks for listening.